Welcome to Future Work, the podcast where we bring you practical tips and insights on the ever-evolving landscape of work. Join us as we explore the trends, innovations, and challenges shaping the way we work today and tomorrow. Okay, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining this episode of Future Work. And today we'll be joined by Alyssa Tonstart from Singtel. Alyssa is a neuropsychiatry and behavioral health expert with experience in implementing and developing mental health clinical programs in the corporate and the public health sector. She is passionate about promoting a holistic well-being first culture that can be practiced at work and at home. Um, and with that, she is currently designing and implementing global well-being strategies and initiatives at Singtel as the Group Wellbeing and Rewards Manager. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today to talk to you about all things well-being. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic to have you. As we were brainstorming uh, the first season of our new podcast, uh, we definitely wanted to make sure you were a part of it, especially because you're one of the few people in the region that have such great hands-on experience and so many thoughts to share. <laughs> Yes, lots of knowledge to share and also lots of ideas to bounce off. Awesome. Okay, great. So let, let's dive in. And obviously, everyone who was just listening to that intro must be wondering, what is a group well-being and rewards manager? What do they do? Um, and so maybe you can share a little bit about your journey to becoming the well-being champion at Singtel. Sure. Yeah. So judging from my intro, I'm not the usual HR professional. Um, I'm actually a psychologist by training. And, um, you know, my speciality is in all things to do with brain health and all of that. But I started my career in clinical work. Um, you know, I worked five years in um, different hospitals in Singapore. And I was actually on the front line. So during COVID, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was a really tough time for everyone. And I slowly realized that employee well-being is something that has become extremely important and extremely pertinent for not just corporates, but every organization out there to prioritize and, you know, take care of their people. So I really got into the employee well-being space when the opportunity at Singtel um, came about where they wanted to hire a well-being specialist, you know, to design a strategy for the entire group to take care of our employees. So, you know, it's been really interesting because what I actually do from my day-to-day -day is uh, I design um, programs and initiatives for the health and well-being of our employees. And, you know, we'll probably dive further into uh, the details of these programs later on. But this also encompasses lots of areas of benefits and rewards as well. So I have hands in medical insurance. Um, you know, I give advice on mental health, physical health, uh, programs and lots of learning and development programs as well. So, you know, well-being is, is a big aspect, is a big area in the corporate world now. Um, and I think we have our hands in everything. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far. Yeah, very interesting. And I think, again, there aren't that many companies who 
kind of go beyond the talk of well-being and and actually hiring someone as a, a group well-being manager. Yeah. Um, no, are there some examples that you can give in terms of what Singtel now practically does under your leadership to to promote employee well-being? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Dan has heard me say this before, but I I think a lot of corporates when, you know, COVID um, came about were like, oh, we have to take care of the mental health uh, or uh, wellness of our employees. So we're going to bring in loads of people to talk um, and do webinars. Um, I don't believe in a mental health webinar culture. I'm sure many of you have seen jokes online about, um, you know, employees having breakdowns and HR comes in and just throws a webinar at someone and hopes that that's a solution. So I, I don't believe in that, you know, um, neither do I believe that giving your employees just free food or massages is going to take care of the crux of the matter. So what is that? That's, you know, organizational culture change. So one of the things that we do, I mean, the main thing we do at Singtel that I design is targeted approaches to employee well-being. So we want to target all levels of the company with leadership buy-in. We also have on-the-ground champions. And we also tackle, at the moment, looking to tackle middle management too. Um, this is really, really important in such a big company. We have over 20,000 staff to take care of. Um, and, and, you know, we try our best to meet the needs of each level of this organization. And, you know, one of the things um, I did when I first came in uh, was to identify five different well-being pillars, because I think it's so important to look at an individual or an employee as a whole. So I think a lot of companies out there, they like to focus only on mental health, but physical health affects mental health and vice versa. Financial health affects mental health and vice versa. So these pillars we chose were mental health, physical health, financial well-being, belonging and inclusion, and professional development. You know, we believe that they represent this employee, the whole self, instead of just addressing these aspects in silos. So, you know, how do we push out our strategy through these five pillars? So. You know, every month we celebrate a different pillar. So this is through our monthly well-being newsletters and activities we organize for employees. That has definitely garnered lots of popularity. I think also because at the end of the day, work is still work. You know, we're really busy from day to day and newsletters or communications is something that people can tap in easily. So that's a great way to communicate with employees on a wider level. But something that I'm really proud of and that, you know, we do is to make sure that our employees are taken care of anytime, anywhere, and globally 24-7. So you might be thinking as a listener, oh, she's going to talk about employee assistance program and, oh, not a lot of people use that. That's true, but something that we have also engaged in, which Dan, I'm sure you've heard of them before, um, we have a big and amazing partnership with Intellect. Now, Intellect is Southeast Asia's fastest growing mental health startup, you know, and their goal as along with ours is to make mental well-being more relatable and accessible for our employees. So, you know, Intellect, they offer 
a solution, a holistic solution in the form of an app. And that brings together really tech, which is something that we're very big on at Singtel, and specialist support from, you know, this group of amazing people they call behavioral health coaches. And our employees can access well-being support, learning journeys, rescue sessions, journaling, and all these like amazing and fun features on the app, um, which they can bring with them anywhere in the world on their phone, which is something that I fully support because it's also helpful to our employees to build their own self-awareness, right? Because I think self-will and self-awareness in, you know, realizing that your well-being is important is super significant. VS me sitting in group people trying to shove a well-being solution down your throat. So yeah, a couple of ways that we do it at Singtel. Yeah, it's been really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super interesting. I really love the idea of the of the five pillars. Definitely, yeah. Mental well being is something that was pretty taboo before. It's starting to become a bit more as uh, something that people can discuss. Uh, physical well being, mm-hmm. but then also thinking about financial well being, belonging, professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, they all really interact with each other, don't they? Yes, they do, and that's why we, you know, we have a well-being strategy but we like to think that ours is as holistic as possible and you know in the future if one pillar is more important than the other then we gear our uh framework towards uh, meeting that need because you know every year changes some employees to focus on one pillar more than the other depending on their age their needs and yeah, we like to help them out in any way that we can through these pillars that form that basis of taking care of them. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, even though you're spending so much time and effort on all of that, and there must be enough people in the organization that really appreciate all of that, there are still challenges that we often run into, um, especially when it comes to something like delivering uh, well-being programs. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you've come across as you started building that strategy and also executing that strategy over the last year? Mm, good question. <laughs> I think, you know, the biggest issue that I, I'm sure not just our organization, but, you know, uh, employees and individuals face with their personal and team and organizational well-being is and also what our team faces is this big question that I always ask myself how do we support employees to genuinely believe that their health and well-being is a priority you know I'm sure you'd agree that we live in such a fast-paced world you know where things move literally at light speed and individual and team well-being is always put on the back burner because it's, you know, not as big of a priority than raking in the top dollar or hitting KPIs. But see, that will soon, and we've seen it in our own organization, start to build a vicious cycle of burnout, toxicity, you know, that will eventually affect this collective organizational well-being. So to the question of how can we support employees to genuinely want to be well, in their body and their mind. I think many well-being leaders out there are still trying to answer that question alongside myself. I don't have a straightforward answer. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out in my strategy building. 
But, you know, I think it comes with a change in mindset, um, a change in behavior. And ultimately, I think everyone knows here now after saying this, a change in company culture. So we'd really love and our aim is for employees to, in their hearts, in their minds, in their body, know that health and well-being should always be number one on their list and to not compromise anything for that. But this is something that I grapple with because I love being efficient and on time and schedule and everything. These things take time. An organization's culture, especially one like Singtel, which has been around for years, even uh, before I was born, uh, is going to take time for it to change. So, you know, we have introduced the idea of building through small steps. So small goals and small steps, even if it's just you know, setting an alarm every half an hour to get up and stretch from your work desk vs, oh, I'm going to run a marathon by the end of the year. That's still something small that is going to contribute to your own well-being and ultimately organizational well-being as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the small steps, I think, really speak to the fact that mm. you're really looking at it from a very sustainable perspective. Mm -hmm. So rather than, like you said, the, the webinar culture, mm. where maybe it's a bit flashy about being able to announce all of these events and activities. Exactly. But what are the small things people actually can do and how can you slowly build that behavior? Um, Alyssa, you also mentioned about the busyness. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that especially in the past year, We've all started working almost more maybe than ever before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the data that Microsoft shared last year where they looked at productivity patterns, mm -hmm. they analyzed how much time people were spending on messaging apps and the email that they have. Yes. Um, and it showed that, you know, the workday is getting longer. We're spending more time working. Yeah. You know, maybe before and after the typical workday, even even on weekends, we're spending more times in meetings. We're spending more times communicating because, again, mm. the boundaries are kind of blurring. Home and life is yeah. kind of becoming one and the same. And sometimes you just have to escape home to be in an office to actually oh, do yeah. some work. <laughs> but sometimes you also need to escape the office to, to find a home. space to focus on what you need to do. Yes. So in terms of creating that culture of well-being mm -hmm. um, and then the topic of productivity, are those two kind of fighting with each other or can they live? Side by side, what, what's the point of view currently at, uh, for you and, and at Singtel? Yeah, that's a, an interesting question, um, you know, and, and as I mentioned, I think a lot of people, especially in Asia, find it very hard to draw healthy boundaries at work. I think it's because, well, I'd like to believe it's because we're very, very responsible and very, very proud of our work and what we do. But of course, that again, you know, eats into the whole vicious cycle of burnout. And it's funny because in the long term, that is going to eat at your productivity. So I think something that, you know, when you ask that question, three words jumped out at me, which a lot of people like to use. And um, a lot of people like to perhaps complain about it. It's, I don't get enough work-life balance. And I think everyone needs to recognize is in an organization and also personally at home is that work-life balance is going to look so different for every individual. So, you know, for yourself and for me in, 
because we enjoy different things. And then I pose the question to people, well, okay, what is work-life balance? Like, what does it mean? In general, I guess, is viewed as allowing employees to have adequate time to spend outside of work, right? On things like family, community, friends, and obviously hobbies as well. And I think something that can help with the balance between well-being and productivity is a framework, you know, a work-life balance strategy or framework, you know, that is designed to encourage a balanced approach between work and personal lives. And this, we can call it, you know, work-life integration, right? Because again, as you said, the lines between home and work have blurred so, so much over the last couple of years. You know, there's a couple of ways we do it in Singtel. I mean, interestingly, even before I joined Singtel, they'd already introduced telecommuting, but we really rebranded it and brought it home during COVID into something called our blended ways of working. Um, so, you know, of course, I think I think most companies have this now, you know, you you work in the office a couple of days and you work from home a couple of days. But you see, it's not just about having a hybrid way of working for our employees, right? That's something that's become quite the norm across the world. But it's about the flexibility. So the flexibility to get that workout in or send the kids to school instead of commuting to work um, and having that extra hour to you and flexibility in your wallet to cook at home instead of spending money at a cafe at work. Um, And I think these are really important consideration that future potential hires and existing employees will take into account when looking at the organization and think, okay, these are ways that actually is going to boost my productivity because I go for a run in the morning that makes me feel good. I sit down and having already felt great, having had my own time and my freedom and my choice to exercise, I'm now ready to face the day and face my work. And yeah, I think balance for many of us between work and home life is also how the organization can be part of your support system. When you hit a milestone birthday, when you get married, add a new member to the family, um, you know, we, we have this thing called flexi family leave. We have five days of extra leave for birthdays, you know, marriages and other important events. And yes, you can take time, those times so that you don't miss those important moments. And I think the other plus is that it gives you the peace of mind because you've had and experienced those moments and you can peacefully go back to work the next day and be like, oh, I can now really focus on the task at hand. So, you know, I think it's a tricky one. And I myself am guilty of not being able to draw healthy boundaries. But again, it takes time. You have to genuinely believe that you and your needs and your health is important. And also find a way as well to set expectations for you and your organization too, right? But yeah, everyone has a different threshold and, and re- I really urge and challenge you listeners to think about how you can optimize that.
um, which was talking about the new kind of workday is from nine to two. And then again, after dinner, um, I think that was the headline. Mm -hmm. um, and I think everyone is kind of, you know, now getting more used to finding a way to still be productive yeah. and have that time to also get the benefits of true flexible work uh, where it's not just like you're either in the office or at home, but yes. can you work from nine to two and then spend mm -hmm. time with your family and then go back to work after dinner? And to your point, Alyssa, that, that really comes down to do I truly feel like I have the permission to do that? Because it's, exactly. one, it's one thing to say that we embrace flexibility, but if you then feel really almost awkward to yeah. not be online for an hour or yeah. you feel or even have experienced people kind of reprimanding you or talking to you about a moment where you didn't reply quickly enough, yeah. then that still doesn't really work. And so uh -huh. in your practice, how do you make sure that the philosophy and the culture that you're trying to build, that culture of well-being where people really feel uh -huh. like you're supporting them in their well-being and you really care about their well-being, you know, again, in a really big organization, uh -huh. that means you need to build a lot of allies in, in the organization throughout the company. Uh -huh. um, how, how do you go about getting managers on board with this and, and, to, and to make this not a philosophy, but a reality? We're actually looking at this year. So, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, where we're designing our annual strategy, where we, the well-being team meets up to think about themes for the next month. I'm always thinking about the end goal, which is, you know, to evolve company culture so that we can prioritize our well-being. And, and of course, where we better ourselves, we better the community. So what kind of behavioral patterns do I want to see, experience, and emulate? Or for my managers and my leaders to emulate in our day-to-day -day at Singtel? Because it is a reality that people are worried about their bosses. People are worried about, oh, if I'm not online, I'm going to get in so much trouble. So I think the first thing is to establish, you know, a culture of listening and open communication. I think it's so important to walk the talk, encourage employees to, I wouldn't say be vulnerable, but be open to communicating your needs. Because yes, your managers are your bosses, but they have KPIs to meet too, right? And they're in charge of teams. so. If you are able to sit down with your managers and voice out, hey, I'm having difficulty with A, or hey, I need time off on B. I guess it's funny how the first thing in our minds is we'll jump to the most negative worst scenario to protect ourselves as a defense mechanism. And you'll think, oh, um, I was definitely going to say no. And just for asking, um, you know, I'm, they're going to make me feel so guilty. But you never know until you ask. And if it's a legitimate reason, then they have no reason to say no. Um, and also similarly to that, the more you are able to build a relationship with your boss and vice versa, and open and trusting and uh, one of communication, then it will make both sides of the party feel heard. And I think that I've told you this before, but something that I, you know, really encourage each other in the office to do. And, and I do it myself. 
if you really don't know where to start with communication, with listening, just ask, how are you? It's like the three most simple words to ask anyone from your CEO to your colleagues, to someone in the next team. It's the most simple three words to make your colleague or your boss feel heard. And it gives them an outlet to tell you anything they like about themselves or their day. And and you can start there. You know, it's not hard to ask each other how they are. It's it's not hard, but but in a way, sometimes it's it is right. It is. It is. It is. It is so hard to break down those barriers, and I think especially in Asia, we yeah have a very clear hierarchy in our heads, and we don't really want to step over the boundaries that we have between each other and between levels, especially yeah. Um. So so yeah, actually asking that question, saying those words, can be pretty tough. But I think scary. it all speaks to <laughs> very scary. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yeah. It does also speak to this idea of more empathy towards each yes. other, which I think, you know, the, the kindness and empathy muscles need to be trained a yes. lot, uh, you know, especially when people are out of sight, it's very easy to start yes. um, to become a bit skeptical. Well, you know, are, are people really working? Are they really contributing? Are they really productive? Mm-hmm. Um, and so being clear in what's required, yeah. um, but also assuming the best, right? Yes. Like trust by default. Yes. Uh, and then maybe every now and then asking each other how we really are beyond the work yeah. uh, may help a lot. So yeah. yeah, I think those are those are really good tips. I think, you know, that question will definitely be helpful um, as we navigate this totally new way of work. As we're coming towards the end of the conversation, you know, maybe also really interesting to hear from you as again, mm-hmm. you're one of the few people that at this skill is is thinking about well-being and doing um, well-being. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the trends are? What are things we're going to be seeing in the future when it comes to to well-being at work? I've, I've, I've been reading quite a lot. So I did quite a lot of Christmas reading. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think, I think, well, okay, well-being specifically, I see a lot uh more companies taking on a very personalized approach to well-being so instead of for example just doing oh, a general blanket health screening for everyone they're going to start to you know do more comprehensive uh physical health exams alongside you know taking into account a lot more specific perhaps biomarkers as well as behavioral health um, to understand employees, uh, the the unique risk factors of employees, and then, you know, further on uh, design or work together with health providers to churn out personalized treatment or interventions. So I think with that, besides personalization, um, there's going to be a lot more focus on preventative health. So I guess the silver lining of COVID is that it's, it's definitely made a lot of people more aware about their health status and about how important it is to not just keep healthy, but how to celebrate sustainable health, right? So I think they're going, there's going to be a lot of focus on nutrition and the long term, for example, a lot of people are very interested in lung health because of COVID. Um, and also, I think we'll see a lot of companies take on perhaps 
more digital health platforms, perhaps even featuring a lot of AI um, that can analyze data really, really quickly. And also on our end, help us churn through data to see how we can better our programs and our initiatives. But yeah, that's on the really health and well-being side of things. Now, I think also there's going to be quite a lot of focus on training and upskilling middle management, you know, and that's something that we're taking on this year. Not just middle management, we're doing that with our senior leaders as well, but equipping and training them on empathetic leadership skills, um, psychological safety skills, personal and organizational resilience. How do we build that as leaders and as managers? Because especially if you work in a big, big organization, you definitely need to have representatives and advocates and champions um, on the ground. Especially for us, we have so many business units um, and I can't have my eyes on all of them. And I would love for our managers to, to walk the talk. And I think something else, which I've been hearing quite a lot about, I don't know if you've come across it. I mean, I think last year we, we heard a lot about quiet quitting, right? But interestingly, I've been hearing a lot more about quiet hiring. I, 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 it's, it's something that um, we are also looking at. Uh, and that's a focus on internal talent. So, you know, upskilling our internal talent um, and ensuring that, you know, there's opportunities for existing employees to explore different areas of the business that they want to look at that they might have been thinking about before, but maybe were not sure about, you know, um, whilst, of course, meeting, you know, the, the ever-evolving needs of our organization. So I think there's going to be quite a bit of internal mobility, perhaps, with this quiet hiring trend. Uh, but I don't know, we'll, we'll see. But definitely, I think, I think, you know, I'm very much focused on the personalized and prevent preventative well-being aspect for our company this year, as well as leadership buy-in. Because I think all of these trends and areas are going to feed into every part of the company and its needs. So we definitely need to strengthen those aspects. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, nothing is as personal as well-being. So it makes a lot of sense to not take that one-size-fits-all approach, but really look into how can we customize that? How can we personalize that? How can we give people yeah. um, also some autonomy in how they want to experience that uh, those well-being initiatives? So I think that's really interesting. Mm. At the end of the day, uh, as I always say, companies are nothing but a group of people. In your case, a really big group of people. Um, so taking great care of those people ultimately will help in, in attracting great talent, retaining great talent, um, especially if uh, towards your point about quiet hiring, if you can upskill them and help them, you know, maybe place them into new roles within the organization and therefore uh, keep them longer and keep them them longer well. Yes. So really, really interesting, very helpful. Again, we're trying to make this uh, as practical as possible. I think people definitely can take away a lot of uh, practical tips in terms of like how they can go about designing a program and then executing it. I think mm. your point about the need for those champions on the ground, uh, the need for middle management to play a big role uh, and therefore to understand the importance of, of well-being uh, in the oh, workplace yes. will be will be very key. So 
I cannot imagine that there is anyone listening who doesn't want to now look you up and follow you and see what, <laughs> what else you talk about. So where can people find you uh, online? Um, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm very, I mean, I think Dan and I both are very active on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, to be fair, there are a lot of interesting topics on LinkedIn. I swear it's a new um, Facebook for millennials, I think. <laughs> um, but really, yeah, especially really... the work obsessed ones. Exactly. But no, really, really interesting. Um, always find interesting articles on LinkedIn, but definitely follow uh, or find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Alyssa Tan Stark on LinkedIn. Um, I'm sure you can find uh, me or type in my title and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah. And we'll make sure to also include uh, the link in the, in the sure show notes. Thing. So much for joining Thank the conversation you. today. And uh, have a great new year. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs>